Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. We have a special treat uh, for you this, this morning. I'm excited um, for us to receive the word. Uh, Pastor Nell is, um, yeah, Pastor Nell is our, is, our, is our campus director at WITS. And so many of you, many of you are familiar with uh, Pastor Nell's ministry and have come through his hands. Uh, uh, some of you uh, went through WITS and were rebellious and never made it through to, is it, what is it, H, H, H6, SH6. SH6, Pastor Lindy knows all about it. Um, I call uh, 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 Pastor Neo, I, I normally introduce him as uh, uh, Neo Mahome CA. Uh, he, SA. C, oh, CA, SA. No, <laughs> I'm joking. Neo Mahome Campus Apostle. Wow, guys, why? <laughs> which, is, why? which is what he is. Neo has, has been a campus apostle for as long as I have known him. Um, and... Uh, and uh, what, is, what has happened, Neo and I probably met in around 2005, 2004, somewhere there. Um, I have gotten older, he has gotten younger. He's a, <laughs> I don't know what his secret is, but he looks like the people that he ministers to. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I am looking so forward to receiving the word from Pastor Neo um, this morning. And I want to encourage you um, to open your hearts into. Uh, receive from somebody who believes in the authority of Scripture, who's an evangelist at heart and a lover of people. Shall we receive from Pastor Neo this morning? Good morning, Every Nation Rosebank. Okay, we're going to try that again. Good morning, Every Nation Rosebank. Okay, I think we're getting there. <laughs> Good morning, Every Nation Rosebank. Good morning. As you can tell, I'm a campus pastor. <laughs> we, we live in sound. <laughs> um, so I'm going to just jump straight into it. I'm very excited about what God is going to do this morning. Um, I love the prayer that Pastor Greg um, prayed. Um, as I was preparing for the service, the one word that I believe God was going to do was restore. Amen. There are a lot of people that I'm believing almost everybody, if not everybody, is going to leave here restored. Um, there's a specific group of people um, who, who walked with God and, and had, a, had, a, had a very clear picture of the calling that God had on your life. Uh, and some of it might have actually have um, some ministry connotations. Um, there are a couple of people that, pe- that the couple of people are here who knew that um, God is calling you to lead revivals. Um, and life happened. Life didn't happen. <laughs> a lot of things happened and kind of redirected your, your, your calling. I'm trusting that as we share the word this morning that you would be restored. I'm sharing that God would remove all the scales from your eyes and you'd know that it's still worth serving Jesus. Um, and um, there, there's also a group of people, I don't know who it is, but there's some people who are here this morning who, um, it's, I, I think it's a couple of people who've gone through some extreme loss. Um, and that loss had made you believe that you cannot do the things with Jesus that he's called you to do. So it's a different group. Um, so this group of people is a people who, went through, have, you've had some people walk out of your life, you've had some people disappoint you, um, and it's made you want to almost reword your calling, that I can't continue, I can't fully trust in God because so-and-so is not with you. Um, and the, the word for you, um, it's a simple sentence that Jesus with you is the majority. Jesus with you is the majority. And I want to encourage you to try Jesus. <laughs> try Jesus. Take a risk for Jesus and with Jesus. Um, so that's my encouragement to, um, to that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, call up two students who are here with me this morning um, to come and share um, a little bit of some of the things that God has been doing on campus. Um, but before I go, they want to introduce the subheading for, for, uh, for, the, for, for the topic this morning. So we continue speaking about DNA, values that we live by. Um, hey, this thing just... <laughs> DNA, values that we live by. Okay, I think I'm doing the wrong thing. <laughs> DNA values that we live by, and the, the theme for this morning is be multi-generational. Yeah. I am so honored that I'm part of a worldwide movement that believes in the next generation. It's an honor. It's an honor that I can call Pastor Lindy, Pastor Greg, 
at like on a Friday night and say that we need money. <laughs> Me and my kids. <laughs> we, we, need, we need a venue to do ABC. We need resources. And they're like, okay, we believe in the next generation. We'll stop everything to make sure that you guys are accommodated. You don't know how many times we've been able to host national campus ministry conferences in this very venue. Guys, and this is a world-class venue. It's not just... <laughs> you don't know how many times we, 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 we've benefited uh, from the power of this, 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 this value being a part of who we are as a movement. Um, let me not go ahead of myself. But <laughs> um, as you can tell, I'm excited. I'm excited. The subheading is... You have messed with the wrong generation. You have messed with the wrong generation. I would love for us to take a stand, not don't stand, like take a stand this morning. I would like for you to take a stance this morning against all the different attempts of the enemy. And let them know that maybe generations passed, but not this generation. Maybe you might have had the last word with the generations that came before us but not this generation. Maybe you thought you could define sexuality in our generation because of what you've been able to do in the generations in the past, but not this generation. Maybe you thought that you could have the last word as it relates to mental illness with the past generations, but not this generation. That's not happening with this generation. And I want to narrow it in a little bit. I don't think you can see, oh, you can. I want to bring it back to this land and say that the cry of this land is going to be that Africa is not for sale. Whatever price tags have been put on this land, whatever it is that the enemy has thought he can sell this land for, I wanted to take a stand and say that Africa is not for sale. If I could edit it while I'm speaking, I would say Africa is no longer for sale if it ever was for sale. This generation will breathe differently. This generation will speak differently. I believe that this is an hour where God is going to have access to Africa through Africans whose lives are controlled and surrendered to him. There's a new level of surrender that God is breathing over this land. Don't get left out, church. Don't get left out. Unfortunately, God will move with or without you. God is not going to sacrifice a whole, a whole continent of people because you're still trying to figure yourself out. Don't get left out. It's not politics that are going to define this land. It's not poverty that's going to define this land. It's not prejudice, racism that's going to give a definition to this land. But it's going to be the power of God. It's going to be the people who know their God and are willing to lay down their lives to do mighty exploits for God. We've been spoiled by the generosity of God on campus where we've seen the presence of God poured out in ways we never thought it possible. I mean, it would have been okay if, it, if, if we felt his presence in a real way while we are at our church venue, but there are times when we're like by the library lawns and we're feeling the presence of God or we have him connected, we're on a Zoom call and people are like saying, I can't speak any longer. <laughs> There's the presence of God in this room right now. I just started praying in tongues for the first time. God has been very generous. And I love that he's not just doing it at verse, he's doing it everywhere. He's doing it everywhere. But he's also been generous in terms of provision. Um, I, I, we have the privilege of taking close to 60 students to the Gold Conference. And why I think this is amazing is not because they'll get to go to Cape Town and see that mountain thing. <laughs> It's not because they're going to get to go to Cape Town for the first time for some of them, but it's because God is going to raise up missionaries. When young people learn practically that resources do not have the last word concerning my purpose and calling, when young people decide that I will be as bold as it takes, I'll be as bold as I need to be to approach people to raise the money that I need to raise for, for flights, for accommodation, for food, to be able to be in Cape Town, those young people will go wherever God takes them. And that's who I have the privilege of leading on campus with. So I've got two of them this morning, uh, Yintla and Lerato, who are going to come and share. Um, okay. <laughs> um, 
I would, I would like to share my Michael Jackson microphone, but you, you're going to have to use that one. <laughs> I had to make a Michael Jackson joke because I lead people who were born like after 2005, 2006. And when I say Michael Jackson, I have to explain, it's like Drake, but different. <laughs> they have no idea who he is, but yes. <laughs> Good morning, church. Um, my name is Yintla Mabasa, and I am a student leader at ENC Verts. Um, yes, <laughs> I'm a proud Vertsie, and today I have the honor to actually share my story or my testimony about fundraising for the World Conference. Um, we are going to Cape Town. <laughs> We didn't allow anything to be a stumbling block for us to get to go to Cape Town. Come on. Not even finances, not even poverty, not even our family backgrounds, but we were bold enough to say that we are going to the World Conference. And personally, one of the things that I had with me when Pastor initiated that, by the way, you don't have to have all the money with you. All that you can do is to partner with God and trust God to raise money. With me, I was like, not only will I do it for myself, but I want to do it for a fellow first year. Because I've been at Vets for quite some time now, so I was like, I want to take a fellow first year with me. And as we are still like on this um, DNA, values we love by and some of the values are end of the value of DNA. One of the DNA of ENC Verts is that as ENC Verts, we are big on community. And my story for raising funds for the World Conference was the fact that I leaned more on community. Actually, community helped me to dream bigger that I can actually do it. I was being very like ignorant or disobedient uh, because I was just thinking about the fact that where do I even start? Who do I even approach? Mm. And one day, as we have like a church office and campus, I just went to the church office and I sat there and one of the people who were at the office was Lerato. And <laughs> I just started complaining about the fact that guys, I still don't have money. And on top of that, I don't have funding. I don't know how I'm going to actually raise money for me to go to Cape Town. And one of them was like, wait, have you actually gone around asking for partners? And I was like, nope. And I was like, then you can say that you don't have money <laughs> because you do have money. And the funny thing was that she didn't want me to go back to my room and start thinking about it. She was like, Right now, take out your phone, start drafting a letter, and we will edit it together. Mm. And we started doing that. I started drafting the letter. It was all mixed up. She, she works like um, at an HR position. So I was like, I guess you know how to look at well-structured stuff. So please just do the editing for me. And Nolwe Titando was able to do that for me. Mm. And after that, God was like, you're going to do it now. You're going to send those messages now. You're not waiting for tomorrow. You're not waiting for you to actually make that long prayer. People that know me know I pray for a very long time. But God is like, you're going to pray a two-minute prayer and trust God to actually show you the people that you're supposed to send like letters to. Come on. I got to my room, and the first thing I did was to, say, was to just like open my phone, open my WhatsApp, scroll through like my contact list and guys it was just amazing come on because i think i made a prayer of god help me that was the only thing that was the only line that i said yeah because i fear rejection i fear inconveniencing people because i'm like money is actually such a hard topic especially for black people i don't know where to start with my family to start asking for money they're just gonna tell me you should have actually started like in jan you know and i was just thinking about all this thing but god was so gracious mm. let me tell you by the end of that day i'm not gonna tell you a big amount i already had 100 rent <laughs> like someone was like there you go there you go. And that for me was 
great enough. It was enough for me to believe and trust that I am going to make more than what I need. And trust me, as I stand, I was able to raise enough funds for myself and I continually raise funds for a fellow first year. We're able to do a deposit for her. And I'm believing that not only will I be able to finish my fundraising, but even the fellow first years, even the ones that are still raising. And I just want to encourage everyone in this room with this verse, Matthew 7, verse 11. If you then... You, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, mm. how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Come on, Yintra. Morning, everyone. Um, my name is Lerato Steve. I'm also a VIT student. I'm studying computer sciences. Um, I'm also here to share my World Conference testimony. So the theme of the conference is, let him be known. Um, at first, I sent out my partnership letter to people who I thought they're going to definitely partner with me. So unlike Gintla, I was not disobedient. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what happened was that um, we drafted the letter uh, after she drafted her letter, I got convicted to draft my letter, and then I was like, okay, this person is definitely going to partner with me. They work at ABC. You know, <laughs> this person is definitely going to partner with me. Um, and to my surprise, um, the people were like, no, already have other commitments. And then I was like, how? What happened now? <laughs> and then I realized that I was doing it in my own strength. I had not spoken to God about it. I had not asked him who to partner with. And then I prayed. I was like, okay, God, please uh, lead me to the people that I can partner with. So I sent out the letter to some of my Muslim friends, some of my atheist friends, and funny enough, they're the ones who partnered with me. <laughs> and so in, in so doing, I saw people who... who do, who are not even Christian, take interest in this world conference that I continually um, uh, spoke about, like almost on a daily basis, say, uh, putting up the letter on our Instagram, putting up the videos to say that we're going, we are 50, what days are we on now? 30 days to go. Um, the 6 a.m. Thursday prayers, that's also what stirred up my faith. Um, the prayers that we had also at ENC as well, that's what stirred up my faith. Um, for me, the verse that I'm standing on is Psalm 23, verse 1, which says that the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Um, and I sense that I got when we were partnering, I think even mm. with other students, it's just how God was just coming for the spirit of laziness and poverty through those partnerships. Because I realized that um, in order for you to, to make an impact, it's not about um, knowing a lot of uh, people or anything like that, but it's the connections that you get to make while you're partnering with people, those relationships, that's how um, that poverty, we, we break it. That's how the laziness, we break it. Um, even for the World Conference, I, I, I strongly believe that God is just preparing missionaries for the world. Um, the lot of students who will be going, the 60 plus students who will be going there, I believe that God is just preparing them for missions to go into the nations and let him be known. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Change the campus. Okay. Change the campus. Change the campus, change the world. That's what we're standing on. That's the slogan we say over and over on campus. Um, there's another testimony. She, she couldn't make it here today. Um, her name is Babato. And her testimony is that God laid it on her heart to go and approach her, her lecturer, who's the head of school. And she's like, Lord, no. <laughs> eventually, she did it. Um, and when she got to that lecturer, she spoke about other things and then eventually spoke about uh, partnership. And the lecturer said, you know what I'm going to do? Come to me on this particular date and I'll settle the difference. Whatever it is that you haven't been able to raise, I'll settle it. As if that was enough, she's like, oh, the lecturer was like, oh, um, the head of school is like, oh, I hear that you want to do your master's next year. And then Sebi is like, no, the issue is that I'm an international student, so I won't be able to get funding. She's like, no, come to me at the beginning of the year next year. <laughs> so small, small steps and small acts of obedience 
That's literally how God is changing our campus and changing the world. We're going to be looking at change from a different perspective. I believe that God wants to minister to us in terms of how he changes our worlds for us to then eventually change the world. I'm convinced that God wants to reintroduce himself to us as the God that changes the world on the inside, right here. What the world looks like is a reflection of what we look like on the inside. I'll even say that the nation is a reflection of the church that's in it. Yep. <laughs> Let's let it land. <laughs> the world looks the way that it does because the church looks the way that it does. Unless the church is not who she says she is when you read in the Word. I got saved on the 4th of September um, over 19 years ago. In, this is the first church I ever attended. I got saved at Pick and Pay. That's another story for another day. So <laughs> no, no, no music in the background. Nobody playing the organ. I'm like, what if I fell? Like a tomato sauce? Like, what's, like, <laughs> that's where I got saved. And I came here. And when I came here, they spoke about going to the nations. I'm like, this is home. But I believe that one of the things that messed me up was that when I got saved, I read the word. You can't read the word and be okay with things that happen out there that don't look like what you see in the word. There's something wrong with that picture. There's something wrong with the picture of somebody that gets into the word of God. The word firstly tells them who they are. Then it tells them what the world is supposed to look like. And they go back and live life as if it's normal. I believe that every single believer, because we are followers of Christ, we are called to be leaders. None of us are excused. We are all called to be leaders. Wherever we are, we need to set the tone. The environments that we find ourselves in are a reflection of our level of faith and surrender to God. Literally, I think we need to shift from the church complaining about what the world is doing. And let's start voicing what we are not doing. Let's start being honest about what we are not doing as the church. Obedience is simple. If there's anything you want to walk out of here with, obedience is simple. It's challenging. But it's simple. I I used to sometimes um, get myself off the hook and make it seem like I didn't understand what God required of me. Like if I understood better, I would have obeyed. We, 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 we attend services on a week-to-week basis, and we get to understand, and there's still a level of obedience that's reflected in how the world looks. So the world looks the way that it does because the church looks the way that it does. But God wants to reintroduce himself to us as a God who will change the worlds in our hearts, but will also change the worlds that we exist in. God wants to overwhelm that which is overwhelming you. We need to make room for God to overwhelm that which is overwhelming you. Worship is more than just what we sing on Sundays. Worship is literally what we bow down to. If we bow down to fear, we have said fear has replaced God as a God. Whatever it is that we bow the knee to, From Monday up until Saturday, that's what we actually worship. On Sundays, Sunday's meant to be a celebration of what I've been worshiping over the past week. Sunday's meant to be a commitment to say that this coming week, I will make it even more practical what I'm singing on Sunday. Worship is very practical. God wants to overwhelm that which is overwhelming you. Are there storms in your life that are overwhelming you? Have you redirected the worship to the storm or the Jesus that's with you in the boat? God, God wants to overwhelm that which is overwhelming you. God wants to break the cycles of defeat and tolerance where we've been okay with defeat and we've, we've almost created a language to make defeat okay in our lives. Where there are certain things that we've tolerated that we know are not God's best for us. I believe that God wants us to be the first fruits of change that the generations to come will start where we ended off. They won't have to fight our giants. The generations to come won't have to fight the things that we failed to fight. 
My mother's here with me today. She doesn't have a camera up. That's right. <laughs> she had a camera oh, earlier on. I want to, so my mother's an influencer, if you guys don't know. <laughs> like, subscribe, comment. I'm joking. <laughs> it's, a, it's a blessing because she actually got saved in this very congregation. She was sitting somewhere there. Pastor Bill Bennett was making an altar call, and I was somewhere at the back. I was probably misbehaving or something, and I looked up, and I was like, that's my mom. <laughs> so she got saved here in this congregation. But I want to share a story of when I was younger, when I was coming back from school. So my father was one of those people who just always thought there's something to improve in the house. So when I was coming from school, if I would see his car parked outside, and there's like a wheelbarrow, I knew, <laughs> I would know that it's about to go down. <laughs> I would be so stressed because I knew that he left work early and he left work early with a mission in his mind. He was always fixing something, right? And I once came back and the tiles had changed. Why? I, what did the tiles do to you? <laughs> like, cover it up with a carpet or something. It's a tile. Leave it up. The tiles had changed and the others were also changing. And I knew that whatever it is that he was doing, I was implicated. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm only appreciating it now in hindsight, but I was implicated, and whatever was happening, and like the inconvenience and the disruption that came with it, it didn't just fall on him, it fell on me. His fixing of the house was never a solo act. <laughs> I knew that I was implicated in the plans that he had for the house, and my father's plans were many. <laughs> And they came regularly. <laughs> now, thinking about change, I realized that there's also a temporary inconvenience that God calls us to. I realized that God is inviting us to a disruption of our lives. And guys, God is always fixing something. Are you a part of what he's doing? Today, we'll be looking at a story of a young man um, named David, who stepped onto a battleground where the generations before him had seen only defeat. He stepped into a battleground and the generations before him, the people who came before him, the, 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 the older people in his life had only seen defeat. And he welcomed a temporary inconvenience, a disruption on his schedule. A young man who was nearly disqualified from changing the world in that instance because of his youth. Open your Bibles in 1 Samuel 17. But before we go to 1 Samuel 17, have it open. 1 Samuel 16 says that, How long will you mourn for Saul, the Lord said to Samuel, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? And then the Lord says something to Samuel. says, Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. How long, Samuel, will you mourn of the things of the past? How long will you mourn over old leaders, what they did right and what they did wrong? How long will you mourn over that which I have moved on from? God is asking Saul, Samuel. How long will you mourn? How long will you grieve over that which I have provided healing for? Heal from that, it's time to rebuild. How long will you stay in mourning? How long will you identify yourself by how well you mourn? Church of South Africa, how long will you mourn? Over what happened in the early 2000s, in the 90s, in the 80s, how long will you mourn? God is saying right now that fill your horn with oil. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and be on your way. I am sending you. There's a generation that God is raising up and he's saying that he wants us to get our hands dirty. Embrace that temporary inconvenience. Embrace that disruption that he's calling you to. God has chosen a young man to be king. 1 Samuel 17 starts off by saying, Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damim between Soko and Azekah. 
Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up battle in the, drew up a battle lines to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another, with the valley in between them. And then it describes Goliath, and some of you might know a little bit about him. When I jump to verse 7, we said his spear, Goliath's spear, was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighted 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. Goliath is still shouting today. There are different Goliaths that shout in different industries in this nation. Goliath is still shouting in the schools. He's still shouting in the university campuses. And he's saying, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? Isn't it painful that the king's name was used as a way of insulting a nation? Because of the king's failure to fight the battle that he was meant to fight. It's almost like um, 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 Goliath is saying to them that, are you not associated with this coward Saul? Why do you come up and line up in battle like you're going to do something? Then he says, choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and servers. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. A whole king, dismayed and terrified. Kings are meant to specialize in battles. Kings are meant to go to war. <laughs> this was not the hour for him to be terrified and dismayed. Now David was the son of the prophet named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time, he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second was Abinadab, and the third was Shammah. Now David was the youngest. Now enters in the new generation. The three elders followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. I shared this in the, in the morning, um, in the earlier service, that sometimes the things that you are not officially invited to, you are not officially invited to, are protecting your faith. There are certain rooms you have not been given the permission to get into. So you cannot, God did it intentionally that you may not share in their terror and their dismay. You may not partake of their faithlessness. I've looked back many times when I wasn't picked for certain things and God showed me that I was protecting you. When it's time for you to defeat Goliath, I didn't want you to have the same spirit as the spirit of defeat that the others were carrying. Some of us have been pushed out of certain conversations and God was protecting us. Everybody had the same spirit, even the king himself, but David was going back and forth, tending for sheep, servanthood. Was going back and forth doing something that was not glamorous, serving. In verse 16, possibly one of the most painful verses in this chapter, it says that for 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took a stand. A cycle was in place. Almost like a cycle of re-traumatizing them on a day-to-day -day basis. Reminding them of a false identity. Reminding them who they are not. You think you can fight me, you can't. For 40 days this happened. Now Jesse said to his son, take this ephah of roasted grain and 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry up to their camp. When I jump down to verse 19, they are with Saul, all the men, they are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. There was barely a fight happening, guys. They were standing. They were probably tweeting about it. Hashtag fight about to happen. <laughs> tweeting about it, probably trending. But there was barely a fight happening. It's very dangerous for us as believers to be known for things that we're not actually doing. It's a very dangerous thing to have a reputation 
for, for things that we, know, we have an unwillingness to live out. They were known as people that were going out to battle, but that was barely what they were doing. Verse 20, early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out, and Jesse, as Jesse has directed, he reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Such a painful picture of what we sometimes do, right? We take our battle positions on Sunday, we shout war cries, we go back to defeat on Monday. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of, supply, of supplies, ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. And then he says that as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from God, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. He did not say anything new, but he was heard by new ears. The enemy never says anything new with the generations to come. He has the same tricks. But God will raise up a new generation that will hear him with new ears. The enemy has the same tricks, same schemes, same systems. They may take on a different cover, a different coat, but it's the same stuff. It's the same things over and over. But they were heard with new ears. It says David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the men, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see this man? He keeps coming out. He comes out to defy Israel. That's what happens at a battleground. <laughs> Verse 26, David asked the man standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills him? And removes this disgrace from Israel. What the people who came on coming out for the war saw as a normal. They saw it as a new normal for them. David saw it as a disgrace. David saw it as a disgrace to the people of Israel. And then he says this, who is this uncircumcised Philistines? Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. I think there's something about David's time in the presence of God that makes him look through the lens of the presence of God. That when other people saw other things, they said, no, 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 I know how you see yourself, but you're an army of the living God. I know how they see them, but they are an army of the living God because I'm continually worshiping the living God. They repeated what had been saying, what had been told them. And verse 28, when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with him, with the man, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? When I Eliab, why have you come down here? <laughs> and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? It's like, as if like, the first insult wasn't good enough. He's like, now he's like calling him an up-and-coming shepherd. <laughs> You're just an up-and-coming shepherd. You are not <laughs> those few sheep, who did you leave them with? And he says, I know how conceited you are, he accuses him. And how wicked your heart is. You came only to watch the battle. And you guys know what question I have. What battle? <laughs> now what have I done? David asked, can't I even speak? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and asked the same question. And then you guys know the story. I'm just going to jump down a little bit. Verse 36, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. David before Saul says this, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Then Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Verse 41, meanwhile, while the Philistine, uh, meanwhile, the Philistine, while the shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David, he was approaching David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than just a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you should come at me with sticks? And the Philistines cursed David by his gods. 
Come here, he said, and I'll give you flesh to the um, birds of the air and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, poverty, this day, prejudice, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This day, this very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those that are gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord says, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. The privilege that I've had over the past 19 years, 18 to 19 years serving students on campus has been seeing how God unfolds purpose and calling in the lives of the young people. And I believe that he's got the same, the, the same principle that I've seen in their lives. I believe that he's calling us to it today. There's something about somebody that shows up and shows up fully. The other people showed up. They stood by the valley. David showed up. And he showed up fully. He showed up and he was willing to sacrifice his own life. He showed up and was willing to be fully present in that actual battle. It only became a battle because he was there. It was a rumor before he fought. <laughs> it wasn't an actual battle. Showing up fully aligns us to purpose, calling, and destiny. Don't just be known to be somewhere where you are not fully contributing to what's happening there. Yeah. Fully present with the presence of God. That's what we see in David's life. Yeah. I'd love to touch a little bit on pain, how sometimes pain can make us show up differently. For 40 days, Goliath terrorized them, muted them, silenced them for 40 days. I can imagine how that was painful. Imagine being out there in a battle and your king himself is not even there. Pain had started redefining who they were, how they saw themselves. But pain doesn't have to do that. Paul, Joseph, Mary, Daniel, Esther, Jesus, and many more heroes of our faith, so many of them were described as somewhat, how some people can describe them as wounded healers. David himself was a wounded healer. David himself, in the middle of trying to do what they were failing to do, was rejected. He could have turned around and walked and licked his wounds and walked, but he said, even in the midst of this, what have I done? Like I was saying, what's going to be done for the man who wins this battle? I would, I would love to appeal to the people in this room today to say, I would love for you, please teach the next generation to not wait until they feel like their healing is complete to make the difference that God is calling them to make. It's a lie. We have a lot of people who are sitting in the waiting room of change, waiting until ABC is sorted out in their lives. Somebody said this to me a couple of days back, like, I'm just going to deal first. I'm like, okay, tell, what, what do you mean by deal? It's like, I'm not sure, I just want to deal with it first. I'm like, until you can quantify what you mean by that, until you can tell me that I'm trusting God for the next three to four months, I know that it's an excuse. Unfortunately, unfortunately, one of the things that haven't happened with the passing down of the baton from the, generation, from the generations past is the fact that we have only spoken about the things we've done well. We have not shared with the next generation how we have also failed. We have not told them that I'm supposed to be evangelizing this many times a week, but I've allowed my own insecurities to keep me on my chair. So if you continue listening to your insecurities more than you listen to the word of God, you're going to be where I am. There's power in being transparent and being honest. I think sometimes we've only shared about how we've been able to discover certain things, but we haven't been able to be transparent about the things we know we have not discovered because of a lack of diligence on our part. Please, I appeal before you this morning, please pass on to the next generation the courage, the strength to know you can still be used by God even if you don't feel like you're 100%. David did it. We don't serve from our own power and brilliance. We serve from the power of God. 
There are people who are supposed to be way more involved in this church, but they are not because they are waiting for certain things to be sorted out. There are things that got sorted out in my life because I was serving. I used to be part of the ushering team here. I was a great usher, guys. <laughs> and it was in those conversations where, where I was exposed to people who were whole in areas who are still receiving my wholeness. It was in those conversations when I could see that, oh, you can still do ABC. That means that I can do it as well. So God is calling up a generation of re-wounded, a, a generation of wounded healers. He is resensitizing us. Pain can be a gift to resensitize us. We are not called to wait there to be no pain in our lives before availing ourselves for God to make use of us. The worst thing that I've seen sometimes with leaders sometimes is that how sometimes leaders respond to the cries of the world without feeling the cries of the world. Pain can resensitize us to sometimes feel the cries of the world. The knock of, a, the knock of pain, the knock of pain as if someone was knocking on the door, has become a reality over the, must, over the past couple of years. Way too close to comfort for some of us. Lurking around, snooping, and we are trying not to make eye contact in case it invites itself into our lives. You know, like, for those who've ever walked downtown, you know, like, when, you, when you're, like, on, the, on this side of the road, and you can see somebody's trying to make eye contact, they can come to your side of the road. And you know that if the eye contact happens, and they come to your side of the road, the owner of your phone might change. <laughs> you know that your possessions might have a new owner. <laughs> So we avoid pain like we avoid trying to cross the street to avoid that person who could change the ownership of your phone. It's hard to watch, but we even end up defining ourselves with pain. We build from pain. That's not what we're supposed to do. We build around pain. We build away from pain. We defend our pain. We defer our pain. But we keep pain central in our lives. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. Pain can actually make us hard in our hearts. Pain can make us hoard, like Saul was, like Samuel was doing, hoarding a king that God has rejected. But let me tell you what Jesus did. He came into a world in pain, a world that was in pain. He went through the greatest pain to give us the solution for pain. And he's calling us to do the same today. So instead of us running, our prayer should be resensitized as Lord. Sometimes our failure to face what is seemingly so obvious in the world around us is because of our failure to face what's going on on the inside of us. God is calling us to have the courage to confront what is happening on the inside of us so that what we pass on to the next generation is a people that have the courage to face the things that are facing them out there. It says in verse 2, the Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle lines to meet the Philistines. Verse 16, for 40 days they came forward every morning. They were there every morning, every evening, and were exposed to taunting and shaming from Goliath. King Saul's failure to face his disobedience to God made him fail in facing the dishonor that was happening to the people of God. Goliath came every single morning. Please stand to your feet. Goliath came every single morning. I wrote here in my notes, it was systematized. There was a system in place. When the enemy attacks us, there's normally a system in place. It was continuous. It was repeated. Because it's continuous, because it's repeated, does not mean it can overwhelm the word of God. Pain that not only comes to us once, but repeatedly will either make us reinterpret our purpose. Some of us have reinterpreted our purpose based on the pain that we went through. But what it's actually meant to do is that it's meant to reintroduce us to our purpose. It's meant to reintroduce us to the one that gave us that purpose. 
pain will either provoke you. And I'm praying that for those who relate to what I'm sharing about right now, that you will be provoked by the pain that you're facing. Pain will either provoke you or you'll allow it to prove it to you that what they've all been saying is true. David's brothers provoked him to continue fighting Goliath. He didn't say that's proof that I must walk away. It's the things that David was able to face with God when no one was looking that made him believe God can rescue even Israel from Goliath. So Lord, I thank you for your presence this morning, Lord God. I want to pray for everybody who's here and who can look back over the past couple of years of your life, some of you decades of your life, and you know that it hasn't been the power of God that's been defining you. It's been the pain that you've experienced. So Lord God, I pray for restoration as we've said we're believing for. Restore vision this morning. The picture that I have in my heart is that we would show up differently tomorrow. That we would show up fully tomorrow. So pain in itself is not a disqualifier. It's not. Pain in itself is not dangerous. But it's where pain can drive us to that is dangerous. It's when we have not surrendered our pain to God, when we don't trust Him with our pain, that can become dangerous. Do not rewrite your story this morning. Go back to your initial recordings of what you believe God was calling you to be. Those who've been running away from call to full-time ministry, go back. Go back. God is calling people that are going to raise up the next generation. Go back. For those that have been shying away from starting those businesses that are meant to end unemployment, go back and start. Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? David was called conceited and wicked. But he still showed up and showed up fully. He still showed up and showed up fully. Our purpose does not exist to serve our pain. What David felt in that moment was not a good enough reason for his purpose to bow down to it. God wills to use our pain to serve our purpose. We ought to be a lot more aggressive about our purpose because of the things that we went through. That is called redemption. I shared this a couple of weeks back that we, we're supposed to be the kind of people where the enemy regrets picking a fight with us. That's literally who we're called to be. It's like if, if, oof, if I fight Pastor Lerego, Pastor Lerego might call Neo, and then they're going to fight together, and then Neo's going to pray a lot more. And then his prayer life is going to be revived. And then because Neo is on Instagram, he's going to go live during the prayer. <laughs> and now prayer is going to be viral in South Africa. What's going on now? If I fight Mzamu, no, I can't fight Mzamu. He's going to fast. And not only will he be delivered from what he's looking for deliverance for, but he's going to be delivered from all the other stuff as well. No, 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 no. no. I must think twice before I fight these ones. Before I pick a fight with these ones, I must think a little bit twice. I'm a little bit, I must think a little bit carefully about it. Three voices that David had to overcome. It was the kin, his brothers. It was the king, that's Saul, and it was the crowd. The kin is the people that know you. They know your stuff. <laughs> they have your files. But they know you based on how they see you, not how God sees you. They know, they know protocol, they know red tape. They'll tell you when your schedule is supposed to be, things are supposed to be happening. 
This is why the next generation is important. They sometimes don't tiptoe around certain things that we've learned how to tiptoe around as the kin. The kin knew how not to fight Goliath. David walked in and he's like, I don't understand what's happening here. And then there's the king. The king is a cultural architect. He keeps certain things acceptable and in place. If you're not careful, his compromise can end up becoming your convictions. Saul lost connection with the king of kings and it cost him his kingship. And he was the king. And that's why the next generation is so important. Because we need them to know how not to tiptoe around the king. Finally, it's the crowd. Crowds are products of culture. If something is big here, that's what they're going to say is true. If something else moves here, that's what they're going to say is true. That's why we need the next generation. That's why they're so necessary in bringing change. They sometimes don't know the protocols and the cues of culture. So Lord God, I thank you for your spirit here this morning. I'm going to ask for just two minutes. I'd like for us to sing this song prophetically. For those who can pick up the melody, you can start singing. Somebody says, the Holy Spirit must come down and Africa will be saved. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord. Come on, let's believe it afresh this morning. Come on, the Holy Spirit will come down. Yeah. You may see bones, but God sees an army that's rising up. Lord, may it start in our land, oh God. The Holy Spirit must come down, oh God. Yeah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Not by might, oh God. Not by power, oh God. But only by your Spirit, oh God. Only by your Spirit, oh God. Come on, let's sing it one more time. The Holy Spirit must come down. Yeah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Fill us with power this morning, oh God. Revive us and restore us this morning, oh God. Let your fire fill this place this morning, oh God. Fill us with new passion, oh God. New surrender, Lord God. Fill us afresh, oh 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 God. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Come on, let him revive you this morning. Let's go to the next part. Africa will be saved. Come on. Yeah. Come on, the devil is a liar. Africa will be saved. South Africa will be saved. Come on. Malawi will be saved. Lesotho will be saved. Zimbabwe will be saved. Come on. Eswatini will be saved. Come on. Angola will be saved. Come on. No Goliath will stand in this generation. No Goliath will stand in this generation. Come on. Yes, Lord. The Holy Spirit will come down. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Lord. As we are singing, I'm not going to make a salvation call, but I want to make it a call of rededication. The first group, I would like to call those who know you've been called to full-time ministry. For some or other reason you've ran, we're not going to keep this open for long. If that is you, please come to the front. We'd love to pray with you. If that is you, you know that God has called you to be a minister of the gospel. But somehow certain things have discouraged you. This is an hour and a moment of surrender, a moment of coming back to God. A moment of coming back to God. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. God is saying there is more, there is more. 
He's, raise, he's raising up wounded healers. He's raising up wounded healers. Pour out your power, Lord God. Pour out your power, Lord God. Pour out your power, Lord Jesus. Pour out your power, Lord God. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Missionaries in this place, oh God. Missionaries in this place, oh God. Yes, Jesus. If you need to be here in the front. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Lord, I thank you for, for these great people who are here, these great men and women here in the front, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that they would meet you where they are, Lord God. They would know you as a savior, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord Jesus, they would know you as the one that's going to use them to change whatever it is that's facing them in their lives, Lord God. Thank you for pouring out your spirit this morning, Lord Jesus. Thank you for courage, Lord God. Thank you for strength, Lord God. And I thank you for everybody who's here, Lord God, who's saying that I'm going to show up different tomorrow morning. I'm going to show up different tomorrow morning. I'm going to show up different to my family, to my workplace, to my friendships. I pray, Lord God, that you show yourself strong on their behalf. In your name I pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.